Okay. Again, my name is John Compulsive Overeater. Uh, through the grace of God in this program, I have lost uh, 60 pounds and I've been able to maintain an abstinence of four and a half years. Uh, this weight was lost slowly. When I used to lose it quickly, uh, it was not successful. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I've been in the program since uh, February 2008. Only one thing has kept me here, and that is my higher power, along with this wonderful fellowship and the program. I have an allergy to food, and this is not like hay fever. The, my allergy to food is this. My body cannot process properly the food that I eat. I don't have an off switch in my head that tells me when I am full. That switch is actually uh, taped, literally taped with duct tape. <laughs> so it's on all the time, on the time. Uh, obsession of the mind. Uh, there are times that have happened and still may happen that I cannot stop thinking about food. Uh, John Kay, we were discussing this, and he gave me some great information that was found. And that is that our dopamine uh, receptors just love, 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 love receiving the food, receiving the sensation of it. And therefore, we can't turn it off on our own. We cannot stay looking at a huge plate. Does anybody mind if I mention food? Okay. If I, I, have, uh, I have a plate of spaghetti this way, this big, normally folks would say, I'll take home half with me. But I look at it and say, oh gee, it's really a shame to waste all that food. And I, I, I really think I should eat it to do that. You know, that, that would be the appropriate thing to do. Uh, and I can't leave it alone, even though I know it is harming me and others. Yeah, it hurts me. But the emphasis here, it hurts others. I can cause chaos in people's lives. You know, I, I just love that line from the big book. I, I can uh, just not be nice to you. I, I can just say, fuck you. And other things that uh, are going to cause the other person to step back and say, what the hell is going on? Uh, when I am uh, full on in my addiction and my uh, obsession, I am uh, merely a liar and a thief. I'll lie to you. Somebody I'm living with or I go over to somebody's house and half the cake is gone. By God, I'll make it when nobody is looking because this is a disease of secrecy also. And that really, oof, that's really a dangerous thing. I, I'm only as sick as my secrets. But if somebody, you know, I, I go in and down that cake when nobody's looking, somebody will go over and say, what happened to the half cake? Oh, I, I don't know. It wasn't me. How could it possibly be? I'm such a nice guy. And you trust me. And, and there, oof, there is a huge, huge mistake because I'm betraying somebody is what I'm doing. I'm betraying their trust and their love for me. 
And when people find out it's really a pain for them, they're really saying, gee, I trusted this man. Now, now he's a liar. Uh, you know, a thief. I'll steal your boyfriend if I can. I'll steal your bicycle if I can. You know, if I need to get to McDonald's, I'll steal your car if I can. Uh, I'll do whatever the hell I can to get over what stands between the food and me, which is a huge mistake, absolutely huge. It always should be myself, God, and the food. When I have myself, the food, and the God and in that terrible, terrible order, I've cut myself off from the light of my higher power. I've cut myself off from my higher power's guidance. I've cut myself off from being in touch with life. Because again, the only thing that comes into my head is food, food, food. Uh, my primary drug of choice is sugar, along with other foods. But sugar is really it. Sugar is my heroin. Hell, I, I would mainline it if I could. Uh, it, uh, it messes me up so very, very much. There are times in my life when I've had blackouts. Uh, when I've blown through red lights and 30 seconds later what comes through is what the hell did I just do it's only through the grace of my higher power even though I wasn't in touch then my higher power still cared about me was I did I not have an accident with another car and there we have a really extreme example of causing chaos in somebody else's life you know somebody could die somebody got terrible injuries etc uh, that addiction is, is a very, very painful thing. That addiction led to terrible, terrible denial. I remember I used to work in an office. I was a bubbly, charismatic, hey, how are you guy. One day I walked through the office and this person said, John, how in hell do you do it? Denial is what I said. And like a dear friend of mine said, denial is a river in Egypt. Uh, and, and that denial cost me and cost other people, like I said. Now, let's talk about the past. Let's talk about the present. Uh, I really started this when I was a little kid. Okay. My parents, this, this is where my story of weirdness comes in. That so many of us share. So many of us. Uh, my parents owned what was called a variety store way back when. This was where you could go and get anything. You could get thread, you could get a hammer, you could get anything. You could get candy. You could get candy. My parents had a horrible relationship at home. Abusive, uh, just a real, real mess. So they would buy my love. They would say, John, have all the candy you want. John, have all the toys that you want. It was a kid's dream. But underneath that dream was this fearful little kid. When are they going to blow up again? When is my dad going to hit my mom again? When is my mom going to scream? I'd be at the dinner table. And to put a wall around myself from the fear, is this going to happen again? I'd be concentrating on the food. I come from the Midwest. What does that diet mean? Heavy meat. Heavy starch. Uh, a vegetable was considered uh, a jar of corn, you know, a dish of corn. Uh, 
A salad was considered maybe a wedge of uh, uh, head lettuce with some uh, Roquefort dressing on it. Desserts, there are enough desserts there to satisfy this room. Uh, you know, pies, cakes, cinnamon rolls, uh, what have you, in abundance. So Gaston started becoming high on sugar when he was six years old. I did. And I continued all the way through up until my second year of high school. I used to act out a lot, just an awful lot. So what happened, my dad left my mother and they put me in a military school. Well, yum, yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs> the military school was a damn buffet. Yeah, have as much pasta, have as much uh, roast beef, ham, whatever. And then at the end of the bloody line was a selection of desserts. Everything from pudding to cake to pie to ice cream. It was, it, it was like the fulfillment of my dream right there, doing that. And I was a very happy kid. So, what has changed? Uh, wow, wow. I'm so thankful for this. My addiction to sugar for today, for this moment. I can't talk about the next five minutes. I can't talk about the 20 minutes. I can only talk about right now. That has been lifted. I no longer obsess about the next donut, the next piece of cake, the, the next blizzard from Dairy Queen. That, I cannot tell you how thankful I am that that is gone. It's like a liberation. Before, when I was in the sugar, it was robbing myself and robbing other people. I robbed myself from my higher power. I robbed myself from recovering a sane life. And I, I, I really robbed my higher power of being able to help me. Uh, but now, my higher power has my back all the time. In the last ten years, I've had some major crises in my life. The first one was 2011. I got really, really, really sick. I called a friend, take me to the emergency room. Went to the emergency room. They took my blood pressure. It was like 70 over 50, 60 over 40. They took it three times. And they said, wow, we better put you on a gurney. So they took me and put me on a gurney. And right away, they started pumping uh, painkillers and antibodies in my system. I don't remember anything for three days after that. I do remember, though, being on the gurney. And all these people in white coats were around me. And I said, geez, I must have died and gone to heaven. And, uh, but I found out at a great infectious control doctor. And they pulled me back from what could have been an experience where I died. Uh, the next one, very briefly, was I had a major problem with my eyes. I had to have two partial corneal transplants. I would have had those that would have gone blind. I had an incredible ophthalmologist and surgeon, and that was completely cleared away. Another thing that happened, as a lot of you folks in this room know, my sister, one of my dearest, dearest friends, became fatally ill. It was a disease that took a while to progress. Remember, she called me. She discussed with her family. And she said, John, what would you do in this case? Would you seek further treatment or would you seek hospice? Further treatment would have been pain and suffering. In a second, I said hospice. Without this program and higher power, that would not have happened. 
I would say to her, oh, Sue, please, please use the intervention because I wanted her around for me, not for herself. So again, there was a higher power at work. A few other things have happened too. So by turning my will and my life over to my higher power, I'm able to do things. I'm able to take the next right action. And that has meant all the world. When I, once upon a time I should have right, turned right, I always turned left. That always brought me to chaos and pain and suffering. Uh, how did I find this program? I, and wow, I had an epiphany. I had a friend, well first of all, I'm a great therapist. I'm, I'm a guy who likes the dual path therapy and program. And for two years, after every session, he would say in a very quiet voice, OA John, never sunk in, never sunk in. And uh, one Friday evening, I had my head buried in, a, buried in a pudding cake. Just the most wonderful thing. And Wufta, uh, I was going away at it with half a gallon of milk, and honest to God, this little orange flag went up and said, Gosh, John, there's something wrong here. And I stopped. One of the blessings of my life is I have a wonderful friend who's been in OA many years, great recovery. And I called him. I said, geez, Tom, this is what's happening. He said, well, come up tomorrow. I'll go through my work with you. Then why don't you stay overnight? And we'll go to a meeting the next morning. The meeting was a, rev was a revelation because the speaker told my story. This woman would get up in the morning, take her kids to school, black out. She would go to the bakery outlet store. She would wake up, go get her hose, bring them home for lunch, do the same thing in the afternoon. And there she said, it's only for the grace of God I never had an accident. So, this sugar, to be relieved, again, is an incredible gift. Uh, in my daily ritual... I don't know what I do without that. What I do, in the morning, I get up. And there's no first line of an old Christian hymn that I sing. Then I read for today. Then I, uh, I go ahead and I, I go through the first three steps. After that, I read a poem by a wonderful poet that talks about the higher power. In the evening, I read from the... AA Daily Reader, uh, the OA Daily Reader, then I meditate. I make my meditation a secret and wonderful thing. Not secret, but a precious ritual. I have a candle, I have an altar, and so I have something to concentrate on. And also have a Buddha. Uh, that puts me in right mind for my day when I do that. So my present is a whole lot better than it used to be. I work this perfect program imperfectly about 80% of the time. Sometimes I will make food choices that are just are not the best for me. That brings into my life two of the most important words in this program, rigorous honesty. But I don't report my food to my sponsor. If I let it slip under the carpet, guess what? I may find myself on the slippery slope back to hell and so being able to do that being able to do it without fear of judgment or anger coming from my sponsor has, has literally saved my life how many minutes is that please uh, yeah, like
Not to worry. You're doing great. Sure. I, I've done that too. Now, wonderful phrase for today. This is it, folks, here and now. You know, like I said before, and this is all I know, I can't regret the past. What the hell good does that do me? I can't relive it. I can't correct my mistakes. What happened, happened. So, what can I do now? I can use the first three steps. You know, I have a cheat sheet. Uh, we admitted we were powerless over food and our lives have become unmanageable. Yep, yep. I was powerless over sugar. My life had become unmanageable in terms of other people and myself. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Now, like I said, the main thing that's kept me here is my higher power. I remember my first sponsor said, and he said only this many, I'm sorry, let me preface it. He said, if program goes away, if your fellowship goes away, if everything goes away, what's left? And I, you know, messed around this or that. And he said, no. The only, 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 only thing that can keep you from falling into that abyss of helplessness and hopelessness again is your higher power. The operative word for me right there was abyss. God willing, I never ever want to go there again. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understand Him. Not my, not my will, but Thy will be done. Um, when, I, when I take my will, it, it's a mess. It's a charade. It's a lie. Um, I'll do everything I can uh, to control my life. And I sure as hell couldn't control it before. I couldn't control it now either. Uh, step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. That was a turnaround step for me. I used to blame other people for what happened to me. And here I, I took responsibility. Uh, and I admitted uh, uh, to... Thank you, love. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Uh, again, combined with step four, uh, that was just the best. I shared it with a person. There was no judgment there. No rancor. No accusations. So therefore, I had no shame about what I was saying. And whew, I released it to that person and I released it to the universe. The, that feeling of it's all been somebody else's fault, I realized the responsibility I took. And, uh, and, made a list of all, uh, I'm, yeah, made a, where am I at? Yeah. Uh, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, I, I, I really like some of the defects of characters, character, a whole lot. I like to control people sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I like to uh, jaywalk in the middle of the street, even though cars are coming. So, yep, yep, I will, gee, I will do that. I save two minutes if I do that. And, and my life will be in terrible shape if I do that. So, uh, I really, really have to put myself 
in a state of openness to my higher power. I may not let go of all those defects. I once asked one of my, my first sponsor, will these defects ever go away? And he said, no, no. I think we may have some of them the rest of, my, uh, the rest of our lives. And I found that true, too. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Humility. Humility is the operative word here. If I don't have that humility to accept myself as I am right now, if I don't have the humility at that very moment to turn my life and my will over to the higher power, so like a car with no engine, my higher power is the engine in the car. It, it drives who I am. It gets me where I want to go. Made a list of all persons we'd harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. There is our link between the fourth step and the eighth step. Uh, I look at who have I really harmed, and I write more about that. So I have a list of the people. The, uh, the other people that I think I may have harmed, no, at that moment, the people I know have really harmed are my priority. Uh, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. I was a little weird. I actually looked forward to this step. Um, because I, I really wanted to do that. I wanted to say, gee, I'm sorry. It was not in my right mind. And by God, oh, thank God for this. I did not try and justify what I did. I would say, gee, I, uh, I, I took your hammer. And I really needed to fix a fence. Nope. And so I took your hammer. I'll do my best not to exercise that behavior in the future. And I continue to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Yep. If uh, there is a lady on the bus and there are no seats, I sit down in the seat. I go, bingo. And I got to stand up and apologize to that lady so she can sit down. And uh, I, I send a 10-step to my sponsor every night. This Again, this is something that keeps me accountable for what I do. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And that's where my daily practice really comes into place. Also, my friend Tom told me I, I just love. Uh, we were driving around the valley one day. And I said, gee, look at the beautiful tree. Look at the beautiful cloud. He said, John, that's a prayer. So all day I'm in some sort of state of prayer. And that is a huge gift. Now here, here's the operative step in all this. Twelve, having a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. We try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. If I don't do that... Um, I'm being a hypocrite and a charlatan. If I don't share this appropriately, every chance I can, I am stopping somebody else's recovery, and I am limiting my own recovery. Thank you for listening. I really this is a time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you do not need to identify yourself. 
if because we are being recorded. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. And, okay. Questions, please? Yes. Hi, Adam. I love what you said about uh, you, God, and the food, and that order, as opposed to you, food, and God. Is there times when you're not in touch with your higher power, and it's not there for you? What do you do if that happens? At that moment, yeah. possibly, I take a little greater portion. <laughs> then... Then, that's where rigorous honesty comes in. I, I got to report it to my sponsor. Because, again, uh, you know, I, I worked this perfect program imperfectly. There are times when, uh, when that uh, uh, on switch comes back again. When it comes back to say, ah, geez, let's have another party in your mouth. Let's, um, let's go and get that uh, high that we used to get before. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you, Mom. What do you do when one of those compulsive foods calls you? I mean, it just is in your head. What do I do when one of those compulsive calls me, foods calls me, and uh, when it's in my head? What I do is one, I put everything on one plate my protein, my vegetable, and uh, feather yam or something like that. That means I'm looking at foods that are part of my abstinent food list. So, if I put, uh, let's say, a little donut on there, then bam, I'm right back there again. Uh, when, you know, again, sugar is it. Sugar is it. When sugar is it, is it, right away, I stop. I go one, two, three. And that brings me back to some kind of sanity. That, you know, uh, for the uh, podcast, I'm pointing to my head right now. <laughs> this damn thing is broken. Always has been, always will be. It's good for certain things in life, but I really got to connect it to my heart. This is where my higher power is. If I don't have that connection, my heart, uh, my higher power that loves me unconditionally and will never steer me wrong, can't uh, say, gee, John, maybe you shouldn't do this. Maybe you should, uh, you know, take a moment to think and not go back, not go back to what you were in before. Okay? Thank you. Hi. Sure, the question is uh, about sponsors, uh, if I've had more than one sponsor, and how I work with them. I've had two sponsors. Uh, the first one I had seen uh, in meetings. I really liked what he did a whole lot. And then uh, I've been thinking about him, and uh, one day at a meeting I saw him, and I went over and I said, Jeepers, I desperately need a sponsor. He didn't run away. But he said, sure, sure. And he was my sponsor for three years, three and a half years. 
And then, uh, and after that, this, this is so amazing. Wow. I've been thinking about a guy that I saw in several situations. And I really liked he saw how I saw what he did in a lot of abstinence. Well, one day, I'm driving to the, uh, to the meeting with Robin. I asked Robin, is okay if he, I use his name? He said, sure. Been around a long time. I said, gee, Robin, I, I, I'm thinking about uh, a sponsor. Uh, I don't know. And Robin mentioned uh, 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 Victor's name, and I almost fell out of the car. I mean, there, there's my higher power at work right there. My question was answered. And I've, I've had my current sponsor for many years now. I adore this man. I want to be the kind of man that he is. And uh, did that satisfy your question? Well, I mean, do you call him every day, send your food every day? What's my pattern? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Uh, what I do is I always commit my lunch and my dinner. Uh, I, I, I mean my lunch, breakfast and lunch. I can't think far enough ahead to, uh, to do my dinner. What I do, though, I always call him before I'm going to have that dinner. Okay? I call him once a week. It seems to be usually a Thursday or Friday. I give him a report. I check in. I say, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. And he's... He's good about calling me back and, and giving me a capsule of his experience, strength, and hope. And uh, that's what happens. Okay? Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Julie. Um, you talk about um, uh, doing the, your... Uh, can I talk about your... <laughs> <laughs> Fourth step and uh, ninth step um, inventory and amends um, in terms of your parents. Sure. Uh, thank you. That's a great question. Uh, in the fourth step, um, you know, I, d I did the columns, right? And first I listed my, my dad, his name, uh, you know, my dad. And I listed uh, what am I resentful about? Gee. Uh, you beat my mother, uh, you never paid attention to me, you never loved me. Uh, you left you, when I was 16 and, without ever telling me. And what did that affect? It affected trust more than anything else. And really affected my feelings. Uh, fourth column, what was my part? Uh, I really didn't have a part then, but I can make a change now is what I can do. I, especially in uh, being addicted to other people, which can be easy for me to do. I, I can make a choice not to do that anymore. I can make a choice not to abuse that person. I can make a choice to love that person unconditionally. And, and that's what I did about that. With my mother, a different story. Um, my resentment there was she didn't leave him. She didn't go. My mom was a battered housewife, is what she would. And dear God, this was in the 50s and 60s when there were zero resources for women like that. So she suffered, is what she did. And uh, that was the main resentment there. 
what it affected, again, I mean, it really affected my security is what it did. I remember when I was 15, I said, geez, if they part, who am I going to go with, my dad or my mom? And that used to occupy like 90% of my time, that fear, that fear. Uh, and uh, my part, again, I didn't have a lot to do with that. But now, you know, just like with my dad, what can I do? I can trust other people to give me a sense of security, especially this wonderful fellowship. I can trust them to love me. I can trust them to be there for me, which my mother could never do. Okay. that do it for you? Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Arlene. Oh, uh, a thousand percent. Uh, service. Oh, my God. I could keep you for two hours talking about service. Uh, it's one of the true cornerstones of this program for me. Um, keeps me coming back. Early on, I started doing service. I, I was driven to service, probably my higher power, even though I didn't know it at the time. And I started out early. I was secretary for a meeting. I, I was a horrible secretary. I, I would always forget the book, or I would do this or do that. And nobody ever criticized me for that. Again, another gift here. No judgment with that. But, again, I started early on. And then uh, I started coming. I did other service in there, which I don't remember. I started coming to this meeting in Serenity Sunday. The guy used to do coffee here couldn't anymore. They were looking for uh, somebody to make coffee Serenity Sunday, so I stepped right up. And I've been able to keep that commitment both for years and years and years now. What it does. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but geez, the benefit is it gets my ass out of bed at six in the morning. Just me out of bed at seven on a Sunday morning, so it's a lifesaver. Uh, it's also a way of giving back. I, I was lucky enough to go to Roseanne's memorial. Roseanne is the person who founded our program and gave her life to it. The person shared that what would happen? She would have uh, OA material on her kitchen table. She uh, would uh, would have meeting lists. She would have boxes of books prepared. She would go around to fledgling meetings and deliver the literature for them. She was available 24-7 for calls. Now, if I can't give back to dedication like that, if I can, can't give back to this program, I'm in a sorry place. I really am, because I keep it here. When I keep it here... You know, everything's coming in like this to my heart. Nothing is going out like this. And, and it's only by doing that, uh, again, that uh, I really can remain in program. Does that do it for you? Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Uh, that's all about my higher power. What that's all about. Um, there, there is a wonderful cable line that runs from my head to my heart. Um, if I don't keep that clear, if I, if I don't 
clog that up with thought from here the only thing I can do this head can do is send a signal to my heart gee there's something wrong here I, I think you better intervene and uh, again it's only my higher power that does that once I am cut off from that source and that line is blocked then I get into a whole lot of trouble well you have to believe in my higher power my higher power is unconditional love my higher power will always, always, always be there for me. My higher power will always give me right moves, good moves, right turn. And that never stops so long, and this is so important, so long as I allow that to happen. In program, we are, we are what we have called uh, tools, meetings, service, uh, phone calls, um, um, sponsoring so many. My higher power says to me, here are the tools, John. I'm not going to give them to you. It's up to you to come and pick them up. Then I know that this link is open. Does that answer your question? Thank you so much. Anybody else? Hi. Yes, Jerry. John, is any part of your program that suddenly started to realize something more significantly than you ever did. Yes, yeah. I, I think that really happened to me in the, uh, I think the 11th step is it. When I realized if I did not take that time to reflect meditate and center myself you know Terrell has a great thing going of, of, of centering myself uh, and uh, being here now being in this moment loving myself in this moment loving other people in this moment then I, I can quiet myself I, I, I can go through the first three steps and really think about them, what they mean in relation to what I am now, and how can I improve during today. I always read for today, because every single reading helps me, no matter what it is. Before I start, I sing the uh, first line of an old Christian hymn. At the end, I read a wonderful poem from one of my favorite poets about really thanking my higher power for everything I have around me. And that, that was a game changer for me, because I never used to do that at all. I grew up as a little boy in a religion that was really oppressive, really horrible, and uh, so I never really had a sense of worship. Well, I knew I was a little gay boy. I, I didn't give a damn about the, what's on the altar. I really loved the vestments. I really loved the incense and everything else. So all the outside things really, really appealed to me. But none, none of the stuff. That, that represented a cruel and condemning God. But now, because of what I just described, I, I have that for my higher power. Okay? Okay. Thank you. Anybody else? Don't be shy. Oh, hi. Sorry, Michael. Thank you. Can you share a specific fear that you have today? 
I have a terrible fear of people today. I have a terrible... Like, after this... After a meeting here, we have fellowship. It's really hard for me to walk up to a conversation with a couple of people and stand there and listen to it. It's really hard for me to, uh, to walk over and just start talking to somebody individually. Uh, sometimes I, I even have fear of going to see my friends doing that. So that's, that's probably my greatest fear right now. Thank you. Okay.